Comrades and friends, hello. Uh, we're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're behind enemy lines. We're in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. And uh, this is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm doing something very exciting tonight and something that I enjoy doing. I get a lot of criticism that the show is either me going on um, scurrilous rants and telling rumors and, and doing bits and gags, or... The other side of the coin is I get a lot of criticism for doing academic shows or, quote, boring shows. So um, we're going back to, uh, to our roots today. I'm excited to talk to a large group of, of organizers and activists uh, from the Red Clay School District um, to talk about um, the organizing they did to keep uh, the Spanish Immersion Program at Marbrook Elementary School. Uh, I'd like to introduce everyone uh, first um, and let them introduce themselves maybe for a minute. Um, Jenny, would you like to go first? I'm Jenny Corman. Um, I'm a mom of two kids in the program. Uh, my son is in second grade. My daughter is in kindergarten. And I, um, so far, I'm very happy with the education they've been having at Marbrook. Um, my, I, I'm... I'm from Colombia, so um, I will say my kids have one advantage, which is I've been speaking to, to them in Spanish since they were born. But I consider my kids English native speakers. When I speak to them, they only reply in English because all the environment is English. So to me, it was very important to put them in. in as soon as I learned there was a bilingual program, I didn't have any doubts about jumping in and signing them up. Well, thank so, you. Thank you for joining. I really appreciate it. Um, Amy, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Amy Reynoso. I'm a mom to a fifth grader at Marbrook Elementary. We've been there since kindergarten. Uh, our feeder school is Brandywine Springs Elementary, uh, which usually has a pretty long wait list of parents who want to go to that school and we've done the exact opposite and we choiced into Marbrook Elementary uh, specifically for the Spanish immersion program. My husband is from Mexico. Um, I think it's really important for my son to be connected to that part of his culture and identify with it, embrace it, own it. Um, because I personally didn't have that chance when I was growing up with a second language in the home, and I wanted to have a different experience for my own son. And we love Marbrook. We love everything about it. And um, I'm glad the school district has changed their mind. And well, thank you. Going. Thank yeah, you. Th thanks for joining. Um, Leah? Hello. My name is Leah Small, and there is... No Spanish at home in my house, unfortunately. We are a great family, and I uh, I have to admit, we are all gringos. None of us speak Spanish. I took four years in high school, and I remember enough to get by, um, but it is the language that is second to English in the United States, 
And having our children learn that second language is going to help them excel throughout life and moving on. So my daughter will be joining Marbrook Elementary in the fall and kindergarten. And hopefully, as it looks, she will be in the immersion pro- in the program. She's going to learn how to speak Spanish along with the English that we speak at home. And she'll probably teach us a few words, too. Cool. Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, I also want to introduce on our panel um, our friends and comrades, um, the Newcastle County uh, just terror everywhere, telling people what's up. Our friend uh, Jordan Pusey. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I uh, I wish Dortmund would have would have held up, and um, and Milan would have gone through to the knockout. But I don't think Milan deserved to go through for wearing those kits they were wearing today. Just a disgraceful display. Rude. They're still going to Europa, baby. I know. Airbrushed. It looked like airbrushed. Oh, I was so sick. I know you guys don't understand. The football was today, and, and uh, a lot of crazy stuff happened. Um, and uh, our old friend and somebody I always love speaking with or having her included in conversations because um, she always says something that um, resonates with me. And, and gives me hope, and I, I'm, I'm, I get very little of that uh, the, rest of, the rest of my day. Um, our friend uh, Erica Gutierrez. Um, Erica, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for inv- inviting me. and it's, it's, it's a pleasure. And I just want to mention that this is a, a huge matter that impacts um, a huge sector of our community, um, not reduced to Spanish people, but, you know, everybody. Because dual language are are programs that are bringing are making a difference in the life of our kids and families. And um, I've been doing listening sessions uh, for the past months, Rob. As I I think I have mentioned that to you before. And I was in a football team. <laughs> it was a game of, of Hispanic people. It was like about forty families there, and and I was assessing needs for the community, and then. Two moms came and said, we're very worried about this, the program that my kids uh, have at school uh, to learn Spanish and, and bringing them up to date in academics and everything. It's closing and, and we don't know what to do. And obviously I was like, what? Um, nobody knew anything about this. Things were happening. And I get in contact with um with the moms. I started doing research and they connect me right away to this wonderful woman, Jenny. Jenny Pavon was organizing the parents already. She was like getting all the information, doing research. I am very proud of you, Jenny, because you started this all um, to to organize parents uh, from all backgrounds and you were brave. And Rob, I'm not sure if, if she has shared, but she was having anxiety attacks from, from fear, but she stepped up as a parent. She stepped up for her kid and also for all the kids from the other families. And since then, I got involved because uh, you don't have to say much to me to, to defend this kind of programs that affect communities, especially the community that I represent as well and, and have very little resources. And this is one of the most important. Spanish immersion is, is, is vital for the Hispanic communities in our state to, to have real chances at academics and leveling grades and everything. So I'm very glad to be here supporting these parents, which is what I've been doing all through the way. And, and I'm here to support them as well. We're together on this. Thank you, Erica. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always said 
that it really takes, um, you know, it, it, you have to be brave to sort of step into the public and advocate for something, like advocate for yourselves and your family and, and try to get others to do it with you. Um, so that's very well said. And I actually want to explore that a little bit too. But before we do that, um, maybe Jordan or Erica or anybody really can sort of just explain what these immersion programs are, how they work in um, like elementary schools. I think some people don't uh, really understand them. I mean, uh, I think Leah said, you know, I took, you know, Italian in high school. I took some in college, but, you know, there was nothing earlier to, to give me any sort of background in it. Um, and I also know from reading about it that there is an immersion program for Mandarin um, Chinese as well. At least uh, there was. Um, so can you sort of want to someone sort of want to explain, give take a couple minutes to sort of explain how these programs work and how it's sort of built into the curriculum? Jenny, could you like to go over that or do you want me to do it? Um, I think Amy also could be a good resource to answer that because her son is in fifth grade. So she's been through the whole process and she's very um, good. Like she likes to education and all that stuff. I hear her talking and that's <laughs> yeah, why I that's, invited that's, you here. That's perfect. That's perfect, actually, because, um, you know, your your son went through, I guess, from kindergarten through fifth grade. Um and, and that's, like, fascinating to me because, obviously, I was in kindergarten, fifth grade, but nothing, you know, there was no program like this. So how does it work? How how does it get sort of integrated into the curriculum? What what are the classes like, and how do they – how did they keep going through, like, into middle school? Okay. Well, I didn't really know what was going on probably until maybe second grade. I, I didn't really fully understand that there's an English teacher and a Spanish teacher. I know that they have two separate homerooms, but it didn't click for me right away. So maybe um, my explanation may help the kindergartners that are going to be starting the program. Um, so it works where there are two counterparts in each grade level. There's an English teacher and a Spanish teacher. The English teacher has a group of, let's say, I'm just going to make up this number, 25 kids, and the Spanish teacher has 25 kids. They each have a homeroom. The Spanish teacher will teach math and science and Spanish language in Spanish, and then the English teacher teaches English language arts, social studies, and then in addition to those core classes, there are unified arts that are in English at Marbrook Elementary. But the Spanish language and culture is intertwined throughout the school because there is a high Hispanic population at Marbrook. Um, so as the children start in kindergarten, they work a lot on sounds and they do a lot of songs and they use a method where they teach sounds and they use body movement. I can still remember it from kindergarten, like all of the little sounds and the arm movements that we did because we would practice it all of the time. And it was so cute when they come home with little songs and we learn the songs and we're all excited about it. And then as they get a little bit older, um, I guess, uh, you know, the content becomes a little bit more complicated and, um, then, you know, if they need extra assistance, they, um, they can be put into separate groups and then the teachers will help them if they need, uh, extra help. 
in certain categories. Then I think in third grade is when they actually start testing them with what used to be the Apple test. They've now switched that to what's called a stamp test, and that that tests their proficiency in the Spanish language in four different categories. So the whole gist of uh, dual language immersion is that they're teaching biliteracy, which is teaching the kids how to read, write, and also communicate in the Spanish language. So that's good for our native speakers who speak Spanish at home, but may not know how to read and write in the language. They're also teaching sociocultural um, skills and understanding how the Hispanic culture is intertwined with the language. And then they also focus on academic achievement. So some of our, um, our students in the immersion programs are doing as well or even better on standardized tests in English than their English-only counterparts. They do really well. Like the test scores at Marbrook speak for themselves. Like it's insane how well these kids do. Yeah, I'm so. It does. Yeah, I I guess like just just hearing that you know a student, an older student, obviously once they get you know sort of further down the grade level, uh, will get like math instruction in Spanish and maybe an English uh, native speaker. Uh, I just I think that's amazing. Um, I love that. And I was gonna also mention um, I'm I grew up around the Price's Corner area, so it's just nice to he- to hear sort of a, a local. Um, you know, people uh, really getting a lot out of their their local schools, which is neat. Um, you know, I grew up sort of right around the corner from there, so I I, I think it's uh, that experience just sounds wonderful to me. Uh, but it does sound very. Uh, I don't know. I had trouble with like uh, basic math and English, so I don't, I don't know how I would deal. Uh, but yeah, starting out early is 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 the, is the key. Um, Leah, you you said you, um, your child's going into kindergarten next year. I think Jordan's is too. Is that right? Correct. And you just sort of made the decision. Sort of, you you think it's just going to be a a, a better, just a more uh, robust curriculum and more sort of um, just just a more robust education. Is that that's sort of the the idea you arrived at? How, how did you find out about this program? Well, first of all, I live in the feeder pattern. And I, my daughter would be a walker. She would walk to school. So right off the bat, it was Marbrook was our first choice. When I was reviewing the schools and looking at the other options in the public school system and seeing what the test scores were in the area, um, one thing I did notice that, you know, out of the 106 public schools, Marbrook is number 35. That's pretty high up on the list. Now, when you look at some of the other schools in the area, some of them are horrible. They're at the low end. And the fact that I'm lucky enough to have my child have access to a wonderful school within walking distance was amazing. When I found out that there's also this Spanish immersion program, I was amazed that, you know, she's going to not only get a great education through the tests and through all the things that a traditional school would have, but she's getting something that not everybody else will have access to. This is something that, you know, just raised the level of the school. It really is this hidden gem that people don't know about, which, you know, maybe we shouldn't tell everybody that there's this really cool hidden gem, but on the other hand, we need to get the word out. We need everybody to understand that 
what we have here is this wonderful school system that is providing to the community and offering a program that should be available to every child throughout the entire state, not just at choice schools. Yeah, I, when we uh, maybe get in uh, a little further into the conversation, I, I want to get back around to that because uh, as I was, we were talking earlier, uh, a friend, my my friend and colleague Bill Martin and I went down to cover some Supreme Court arguments uh, a couple of weeks ago, and mostly for the Kathy Auditor trial because we love gossip. Uh, but the argument that was after that was a procedural argument about who's going to pay legal fees, but what it was about was the property tax reassessment that the state finally got forced to do. And one of the interesting little details in that argument was that the school districts are going to probably have somewhere around 80 to $85 million more available to them um, as um, as this process works itself out and people start paying their fair share of property taxes. So maybe this is something that can be expanded to more people. But we'll put a pin in that. Um, Jordan, did you want to chime in on that? Not on the property taxes. Um, on I wanted to have a question for Leah because, um, Rob, I'm sad that as my friend, you don't know my son is a second grader at Marbrook and has thought, been uh, this program for two years. That's why I knew about everything. Okay. It's because I got that letter and I, and I immediately texted um, one of our school board members that was like, why are they doing this? Um, but I I love the idea. My original feeder pattern with my oldest daughter, who's now at McCain, uh, as a freshman, was in was Baltz. Um, and then it changed to Marbrook, and that made me so happy because I knew a lot of things about the school from people who live nearby, uh, but I did not know about the immersion program. Even looking at their website, I didn't see it. I didn't have the choice. So uh, that's what I wanted to ask Leah um, was, did you know without them calling you about that, or did you find it out on your own? Because I, I got a call three weeks before school started that, hey, we have this program. Would you like to enroll your kid? And I was like, oh, my God, yes, of course. This sounds great. I actually had no idea. I was looking around at different you know, options, and I think I heard from a neighbor or something that, oh, well, they do this Spanish immersion thing going on what? This is awesome. There is no advertisement for it. There is no publicity for it. Nowhere, as you pointed out, even on their website, does it say it. I actually tried to enroll my daughter today. Navigating the site is near impossible. I don't know if I clicked on something wrong or when I clicked on it, it took me the wrong link. They are trying to now enroll her this year and I can't get out of the system. I'm going to have to go in person and talk to somebody and ask them to delete her account so I can actually enroll her in the immersion program for next year because she's not old enough to go to school just yet. Yeah, the, I, I did want to get to that exact thing, and that was my next thing in the uh, in my outline was what I call the letter, uh, the November letter, I guess it was, that was basically saying – you know, just informing everyone that the program was going to be discontinued with not really a lot of other information. Um, and this, uh, I think, 
folks, brings us to, to Jenny, back to Jenny, courageous and brave. Um, so you read the letter. Did, did, you, did you know about it as soon as it came out, or was it something that got filtered to you? And, and what, was your, what was sort of your reaction, and, and, and what, what was your first sort of move when, when you saw what was happening? So I, I learned when everybody learned, when we got the letter. And I immediately had a bad feeling. I'm like, this is not good. This, I, I just have a bad feeling about this. And then I started, then my first thought, okay, the letter says the immersion program is phasing out and they will have um, the kids who, so basically, it, it, it had a choice. It, it, it had a, a slip that said, if you want to keep your kid in the immersion program, please answer yes to below and send it back to school. So I had learned that in the past, uh, this happened to Linden Hill Elementary. They had the Chinese immersion program. And I knew the program had ended there. So I'm like, this high quality Spanish, I want to know how it went for them. So because the way it might have gone for them, it might go for us. So I, I want to know if my gut feeling of feeling so wrong about this is right or not. So I immediately started contacting parents uh, from Linden Hill. I, I'm in a Facebook page. Uh, it's called Hockey and Gossip Girls. And you can do a search there of whatever you want. So I started doing my search and then I, I saw comments from moms who mentioned the immersion program, blah, blah, blah. So I send them private messages. I'm like, I need to talk to you about this. Um, the three of them I contacted answered, but one of them was really, really involved in the movement that happened when Linden Hill uh, got the letter. So she gave me like all kinds of information without even asking. She's like, we did this, we did that. Look at the newspaper, look at uh, the change.org uh, petition that we did. And, but I'm like, but how is it going for you? So she said, my, my daughter is in fourth grade. She's still in immersion, but it's not as it used to be. Uh, the teacher that she has right now is teaching third and fourth grade, which doesn't make it easier for the teacher. And it's, it's not what I would like it to be, but it's something, she said. And probably there are two more, more generations, the kids who are in third and second. I think they still can have immersion. And um, But the other two moms were the opposite. I, it's so bad that I pull my, my girl out of the program. And the other one is like, ah, it's kind of, so I'm like, I, I just, I, but the mom that was really involved in the movement, she, she, she said we fought it hard. We, we really fought it hard, but it's gone. The program is gone because they told us that we had 70 kids for kindergarten to be enrolled. And then um, they could only take 50 kids. But by the time we got the letter, they got the letter in March which is after choice window closes. And actually we, people are invited to schools from the choice office um, around the end of February. So like 
they received this letter basically when it's what already choice. So I think they all, they, what they offered was you can stay at Linden Hill, but in the regular program. So they protest. I read the article news and they protested and um, they, that's why they still have some kind of immersion program there because of all the noise they made. But then I was hoping to see somebody complaining in the Facebook page and nobody said anything. So like for a couple of days, I'm like, nobody is worried. Uh, am I the only one? And so I started, uh, I'm in the PTO of the school. So I started texting with the moms of the PTO. And they seemed a little bit concerned, but not like me. Like nobody was, I didn't feel that anybody was as concerned as I was. So I talked to my husband, like, I don't have a good feeling about this. And so he said, well, start a group. I'm like, how? He said, well, just use your connections with the BTO and do something. So I created a, a Google form and I posted in the Facebook page. And that's how Amy learned, right? That, that. Yes, I didn't get the letter from Red Clay. Uh, I still have not received the letter. And I'm thinking it's because I have a fifth grader. I, I'm not sure why I never received the letter. The first place I heard about it was on the Facebook group with the Google form that you posted. I said, what? Marburg is phasing out immersion. What in the world? So I answered the Google document form that Jenny posted and I answered all of the questions that she asked and that night she emailed me and then we started emailing each other. Mm -hmm. I got about mm, 27 initially, 27 responses and then 10 more after I guess people were sharing the link or um, like just emailing and then that's how really it started and then we had a meeting on December 5th in which um, well all the parents we had parent teacher conferences in during Thanksgiving week so I believe um, parents were asking a lot of questions to the school and that's what I heard to the teachers so they were like well they, you have the, the meeting on December 5th just come to that meeting and oh, surprise, there were a lot of people in that meeting. <laughs> like, we were not. The meeting was initially to be held at the library. But I think so, like, we didn't protest, like, the Linden Hill. And um, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but we didn't do like that. But at the same time, what I started hearing is, no, people, more people are asking and asking questions. So probably we will have a good turnout for the December 5th meeting. And it did happen. There were a lot. And, and it was like I didn't realize the magnitude, but um, Erica actually made me realize. She said, look, like, look at all these women, those Latin women who are there that maybe they don't speak as well English and you are the voice for them. So it's it's important that you are here in, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't feel at all, at all like a hero or anything like that because I just, I just felt it was so unfair and so wrong 
what was happening. And also uh, knowing that uh, some families have been waitlisted in the past for the choice option for the program, it just made me very angry because I'm like, they cannot use the numbers, the class sizes as an excuse to close this. Um, and the results are there. The, the kids are learning. The kids who, who English homes, nobody speaks Spanish. They are uh, speaking, they are reading, they are writing in Spanish. I mean, and, and their test scores are good. I just felt like it was so unfair. And all the teachers that we have in the immersion program are amazing. The English and the Spanish, both of them. And because it's a team. They have it's, it's a team. Like they might have, they might each have a, a homeroom, but they are in charge of the whole group. Meaning the, if there are a total of 45 kids in the immersion program and one teacher has 23 and the other 22, the English teacher responds for all 45 and the Spanish teacher is in charge of all 45. Half of the day, they teach English, half of the day Spanish. The next day, they switch. If they started the day before in Spanish, then the next day they start in English. So it's, it's, um, it's a teamwork, a teamwork between parents, between teachers, and also the child. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I want to highlight a few things that you said. No, number one, I think uh, it was so savvy to look at the uh, the Mandarin Chinese program at Linden Hill and and what they did. And I think you were so right to say, you know, it's hard to say whether that would have worked or wouldn't have worked. It's sort of a different situation, different parents and stuff. Uh, but you knew that you did it in the way that you did it. Um, I also think that people like myself, Jordan, and Carl, who do a lot of organizing, are going to uh, really be jealous of the fact that you put that uh, Google Doc up and got 37 responses. Uh, we don't usually get double digits. That's just it's just amazing. But I think it's important to note that you relied on networks that you had. Uh, I think that's incredibly um, savvy and the smart thing to do, and and it, and it worked for you. And the third thing I want to say is that this all started from a group called Hocus and Gossip Girl, which I think is incredible. Um, <laughs> I just I, I I just I just love that story um, because it is um, it's it's very difficult to take that step to say like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it like you the way you described sort of looking around and saying, well, I'm, I feel a certain way about it, but nobody else seems to. Um, and then taking the next step to say, well, I'm going to find out whether they do or not. And I'm going to try to also motivate people to, to see that this is an issue that they should spend some, some time supporting and turning up at this meeting that happened on the 5th of December. I, I think it's uh, it's, it's an incredible it's an incredible effort from you and uh, maybe maybe you don't consider yourself a hero but you orchestrated I think a victory not just for for your for your child but for um, everybody here and everybody else so I, I think it's I think it's super. Um, er Erica, did you did you want to to uh, to chime in on this as well? Yes, well, I would like to compliment first of all so I can land on on the the, the social justice part of this of this um, wonderful win um, halfway because we still have more to do. 
to ensure that this stays there. Um, about the immersion uh, language programs, um, allow me to say that I have two kids that are dual language educated, two of my kids, both of them. And I'm just gonna tell you the behavior that it changed and then they, they grow up in, in, with the elementary education without feeling separate from any other kid. They feel like global citizens. They don't see race. They don't see um, they don't see themselves less or more than anybody. They have cultural shared feelings. Uh, they understand each other and respect other kids more because of that, because of the shared culture, the shared learning. And, and it's it's a very healthy opportunity for communities to come together. Um, learning another language, uh, it, the research is there, it's, it allows your brain to think differently and also to, to focus more on, on learning. So you love learning the language, we also learn, love learning um, academics and everything else. And, and that's a beautiful part of it. And I'm gonna be controversial now because <laughs> um, it's it's important that movements that are important for vulnerable communities um, are hard to sustain, right? But you know the value that 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 folks that are fully English speakers um, see the value of this program for their children, for the academics, for developing themselves into bigger opportunities is wonderful. And that is what is making a difference to, to, to be a successful movement because the value and the jewel that it is for the uh, English speaking families. Now, the other side of this is that this program is has been helping this kind of programs to the, to the state. And that's why we have two schools that are uh, immersed, fully immersion language um, in Spanish in Newcastle County, for example. Uh, Aspira and Antonio Alonso because of the need that was there and, and wasn't met before for kids that were um, not supported enough to level their English. Spanish speaking, uh, they needed to learn Spanish to equate the academics in English. And, and the wonderful um, aftermath that comes out of that is that kids level up and succeed. They, they don't have to be held behind in the grades. Uh, they feel good about themselves and they have better chances at school. If they don't have these programs, these kids are you know, destined to fail because there is no support for them to learn better Spanish to also discrimination and, and all this um, violence that happen when we misunderstand each other at school because we speak different languages. It's, 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 it's a matter that is on the table. And from the Asian community, we have heard that they want their language also open for other kids to learn. It's, and it's beautiful that, that that was taking place in Linden Hill and it's gone. And, and some of the, in, in one of the conversations that um, I had with Jenny after the, the December 5th meeting, it's like, we, we should have supported Linden Hill. And, you know, it's good to feel bad about it, but also we realize together that, you know, it's not that late. It's not that late because we didn't know, we didn't understand fully what it means to support. You should have seen on December 5th, um, uh, Robert, how many voices were spoken with what passion, with what, um, you know, determination that um, administrators were like backing up. And it was impressive. And it was the power of people 
speaking up for something that is valuable in education for everybody. And I look into the back and there were like about 25 Hispanic parents and all of them quiet and voiceless. And I cried because if it wasn't for all these voices and these parents that spoke in English defending the program, it was going to be hard for them to speak up. And, and that's why, you know, Jenny was feeling shy about stepping up. And, and this is exactly what we need to do, come together and inspire the people that has both languages um, jumping in and speaking for everybody, because we need to, to, to be aware of the beauty that these programs bring for everybody. We're designed to help vulnerable communities to level up their skills and, and, and learning levels, but it's benefiting um, extracurricularly to, to the English-speaking kids to give them also better chances in, in education. And that there we come together and, and advocating together is beautiful and that should be for every Asian. I just wanted to put that up. Yeah, absolutely. As I said at the beginning, I mean, looking back and saying, oh, you know, we could have maybe jumped in and, and helped out here or, or there. That's going to be important going forward because I do want to get to sort of other other school districts and other places where this is happening to ensure that um, that students get the same opportunity or potentially expand that opportunity, I think, as, as uh, Leah was saying earlier. Uh, but before that, just before that, I have to get controversial now. I have to do controversy. And so I have to say, like, a letter goes out that says we're going to cut a program on, we'll just say specious grounds, since we know what the enrollment and people wait, being waitlisted for it, like, and sort of like the decisions already made. Um, where does that come from? How did that? Ha do we have an idea of how that happened, or should we get these same forty-five people that were already there to the school board meeting? Uh, next week to figure out how that possibly happened. Does anybody have any insight on this? I have some theories. Let's hear them. Let, you know what we we love to we love to trade in, uh, in, in 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 innuendo here. So what I'm seeing is, I'm seeing the administration say our resources are hurting in this department. What can we cut? to make our numbers look better so that when it comes time for us to get voted back in, we don't get voted out. And what I'm seeing here is they see that there was size differences in the classes and they're trying to boost that up. They want, they want their class numbers to look better. They want their, you know, they, this, this school's great. It's doing wonderful. But if we cut this little program, we're not going to have to worry about budgeting and cutting corners. We can boost it up. And look, we got new playground equipment. So, and now the school's doing even better because if they start cutting little bits here and there, it'll make them look better by saying, well, we're, look, we're saving money for the community. We're helping the community. When in fact, they're actually cutting the programs are, that are the ones that are helping the community, not the individuals. Yeah. I, I would, I would. I think it's fair, and and I know that there is a. This will go out on Friday, the fifteenth, and there's a red clay meeting next week, right? December twentieth at December twentieth. 
at Richardson Park uh, at, at 6 p.m. I think it's fair now that we've gone through the process of making sure this program is there to find out what the what the deal is here and to get some some actual answers because you know whether uh, Leah is right or whether it's something else obviously they were trying to cut a program they were saying resources aren't available uh, for a program that and I and I, I I think it did say something about enrollment numbers which seems not to be true um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see um, some people go and find out and put pressure on the decision makers to say, um, yeah, you can't just make, you know, uh, a decision behind closed doors like that. It doesn't make sense. Um, I want to I want to interject here that one of the aspects that was being pushed at the November meeting I'm sorry, the December 5th meeting was that if we wanted our children to stay in the immersion program, we could simply send them to Lewis Elementary. And I want to point out that Lewis Elementary has horrible results on their test scores. They have a immersion program that is not as robust as Marbrook's. And what they're trying to do there is let's send these kids to a school that is failing and try to boost that school by bringing in kids who have better test scores. They'll raise the test score levels than at Lewis Elementary, and it'll make Lewis look like a better school. And then Marbrook will be okay. You know, they just lost that program. But look, we, we boosted this one over here. So that's one aspect that I think they were trying to cut. On top of that, what I'm seeing is it's a lot easier to cut a program if you have less people yelling about it. So they're going to go to a school that doesn't have a good background. It doesn't have the parent advocates yelling and trying to fix the current problems. So they're going to dump a program into that school so they can completely cut it. Just like they did with the Chinese immersion program. Let's just put it somewhere quietly, tuck it in the closet, and then close the door and nobody will notice. Well, we certainly need to, to get to the bottom of it. Um, I actually, I mean, it's a theory. Uh, certainly I wouldn't put past school administrators to, um, to subtly juke stats. Um, but I, 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 you know, I, something, some explanation needs to be some, some explanation that, uh, sits well with parents and people in the district and uh, you know, I'm I'm in the district. I'd like to know what the hell's going on. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very interested. Um, Jordan, do you have any anything to add on that uh, score on the on the policy score? So I think my main takeaway from the whole situation was the lack of transparency in decision making. So the district had ideas that they thought this program's failing based on retention numbers from third through fifth grade. And what they were saying was that this is what I um, took in from I was on the Zoom call for the December 5th meeting, um, that the, the class sizes were getting smaller and therefore it's unfair, it's, it's un inequitable um, to the other, the traditional classrooms, that they have larger number of students, they have more students with IEPs, they need more resources, and that as the immersion program went on because you had to test in past third grade, right? It was it second or third. That's the testing, Jenny. If you can just third. Second, second I think. Oh, third. 
Yeah. So like it was harder for students to get in. But they never advertised it. Um, they they didn't do a lot of things that would make the program as well known as it could have been, especially to industry parents. But when it comes to the decision making, you knew this program wasn't working, say, wasn't making the numbers work. Maybe it's unfair. I don't think it is, personally. But you have those conversations with the people that are going to be affected with those decisions before you make them. You don't just make the decision and then say, hey, we decided this. Come to this meeting 30 days from now and we'll hear you out. You know, I don't think the district, because the district makes the decisions. The school board doesn't actually with this. It's the district, and it seems, I guess, with certain people in the school had conversations without notifying the public, or at least the people most impacted by the decisions, right? The children in the program, the children that were looking forward to being in the program, the parents, you know, like none of us. And it seems like they did that with the every single immersion program, right? But Lewis, I, I feel like it's unique in a way because it's a full immersion school at this point. But do those parents have a choice in whether they want their children in full immersion or not? I don't know. I, I don't beat on public schools because public schools work with what they have. And it's been unfair to where our um, most vulnerable schools with the most vulnerable populations get the least amount of resources, where schools like North Star and Linden Hill and Cook now and, you know, the wealthier schools that serve the wealthier students, primarily white, um, they get the best teachers. They get the most resources. It's all part of Bush's, like, little testy plan. Um, my brain's broken at this point. <laughs> I've been yeah. thinking about too many things this week. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like we forget about the main things that build culture and, like, build schools, but we forget about how important it is to actually talk to people about what you're doing that's going to impact them. Yeah. And they forgot to do that. And now it's like the pushback's coming. And now they're like, they folded pretty fast. I guess um, Doral Green does not like his face on the front page of the news journal. It seems so. Well, good. And, and I think good the, to learn. <laughs> yeah, what you're saying is important for a couple of reasons. I just want to highlight number one, yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend not to 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 put a lot of, um, I shouldn't say a lot, but too much credence in sort of just a flat ranking, um, because you know, the 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 fact of the matter is that the material conditions um, from neighborhood to neighborhood are going to be different. The engagement of the parents are going to be far different. Um, the sort of the way they do things now with these feet, like who gets into what sort of program or who gets into what sort of direction is sort of dependent on a selection process in a sense that I do not agree with. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I the one thing I, I do sort of shy away from is, um, you know, pitting, pitting one particular school against another or, or looking at them in relation to that. So... This is Chuck, uh, Chuck Stark from Brooklyn Terrace. I'll just chime in. I mean, we, it doesn't surprise me we had as many people come out. 
okay for this. I mean, we've had people on the board, the community board, five years before the school started. Uh, you know, people vote in this area. I mean, we have 1,276 voters, and in the last election, 1,271 people voted. I mean, it is just... But the biggest thing is, since Holstein um, left and Michelle Phillips came to the school, and the culture kind of changed. Um, and between that and this program, we have just seen juvenile... I mean, juvenile delinquency is just, like, falling off our crime map. I mean, it's just, it's, there's a total change at this school. Uh, and a lot of it is this school. I mean, I, I just don't, and the parents and the kids and the change of instruction. It's just a real, I don't know. I mean, I, I really just don't know what, you know, the knock-on effects of these kinds of programs really just should not be underestimated. That's, that sort of leads to my, my next question. Um, we're talking about red clay, um, and I, I'm interested to know what sort of uh, other districts have what programs and, and where they are, and just to get an idea of where they are, where, where we can make sure that we're sort of paying attention to, <clears throat> paying attention to how they're they're run and make sure that they're strong and that the parents. Uh, the parents in one immersion in one program can can sort of talk to the other without uh, you know Jenny having to come to this I have have her great idea to be like maybe I'll see what they did at Linden Hill for the Mandarin Chinese, uh, but have a something in place where everybody's together and and we sort of protect these programs because it sounds like um, you know just simply wherever they are um, they're they're successful on a, on, a, on a you know. A, all different types of metrics. So does anybody know, Jordan or Erica, do you guys know like where else these are in place in Delaware? Um, according to the DOE, there's, there are 54 schools. 54. Okay. Yeah. That's, that seems, that seems good to me. Is that schools, uh, located in 12 school districts across the state? There are three charter schools, Immersion programs outside of the state initiative. This was from the 2021-22. Okay. Okay. And they list all the benefits on the thing. Uh, Markel um, passed uh, like an immersion kind of policy like guideline. Like did, that's what he was looking for in 2012. Markel, so here we go. Things he did. Look, um, Mar Markel, he makes uh, he makes uh, Carney makes Markel look like FDR. He really does. Um, but yeah, that that was one of his major platforms when he was governor was to have as many immersion schools as possible because he valued um, the benefit of children knowing languages early. Yeah. And like other people have said, like I, I only had Spanish when I went to high school. I never had it through childhood. So, you know, it's, and I'm watching my son learn Spanish from kindergarten on, and they learn it so much faster. And it's so good for their cognitive skills, for their, like, logical skills. Like, there's so many things that benefit them in so many ways learning it and just having it available. We, we should encourage that in every single school, in every single district. It doesn't need to be the entire school doing it, but it should be available. 
that way maybe we could have children stay in their own neighborhood schools and build community that way instead of having your choice out. Yeah, that's what I was, that was going to be my next sort of small question before I moved on to the next topic. And I think Amy and Jenny spoke to this beautifully because it's not just, it's, it's not just the academic sort of part of it. It's not even really the language part of it, although that's an important part of it. Uh, it's sort of this, um, it, it's a way to just build community and solidarity with everybody there because you could be coming in as uh, an English speaker where there's no Spanish at home. You could be coming as an English speaker that has one parent uh, that ha- is uh, speaking Spanish or both parents speaking Spanish. So you so you get a full a sort of cultural uh, immersion too and you sort of have a better understanding of what your community is like. And I just think that that's incredibly, incredibly important. And and I will say to that, like, I came here when I was 27. And English, speaking English was really hard for me. So I initially, I focused on, on like, if I don't learn to speak, I'm going to learn to write and to read, even if I can learn to speak. Because what happens is we, we have a large Spanish community. So everywhere I went, everybody spoke Spanish. So it was hard for me to actually get immersed in the English language. So I had to force myself, I put myself in, in places in which maybe I didn't feel very welcome or, or comfortable to be able to be just with English speakers. So I will start developing the language. And it took me about six years to 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 be to the point in which okay I'm thinking in English I'm not translating in my mind anymore from Spanish to English quickly I am now bilingual when I felt comfortable with the language it, 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 I'm like and for kids if we give them that chance early on they are just gonna set up for success you know what I mean? so. It, the older you get, the harder it is. And I also wanted to 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 say that uh, yesterday there was an immersion night at Louis, and uh, the new principal talked wonderful about the program. He's very enthusiastic. He he says that uh, his school is gonna do better. His the teachers that I spoke like they it, I was in awe of the enthusiasm. And the the way they saw the program, like I, I'm coming here, the way they spoke about the program, it was wonderful. And and that school deserves a chance, I think. And I'm I'm not completely sure what the challenges are there, but um, but I just wanted to say that we we have a a, a school in near our neighborhoods that it has an immersion program. It's good that the city also has a school with a dual language program. Um, and maybe they are undersourced. That's what I hear from a mom who, who has her kids there. They are undersourced and they have high, high need kids. So maybe those are the challenges there. I'm not sure. And also the fact mm, that um, they bring teachers from Spain, I believe. And it's like contracts. Uh, three-year contracts, so they don't stay 
in the school for a long period of time, which we have in Marbrook or yeah, other places. the other school. So it's like I'm I'm coming here just for three years and then I go. I did my my duty and then go back. You know, so that that might be one of the reasons. That's what I hear, but honestly, I I don't know. I just wanted to say that that they the new principal really is interested in in making that school better. But we want to stay at Marbrook. Yeah, that's well, that's excellent news. Um, Leah, did you have something? You had something to add? Well, I wanted to say that you know we're working at keeping Spanish immersion at Marbrook. But one topic that did come up was where do these kids go after Marbrook? What is the next step? Um, other school districts have a middle school set up, and now our middle school immersion program and even high school is down being threatened as well. So even though we might have won this small hurdle of keeping Marbrook with the immersion program, we now have to fight for where do the kids go next. Yeah, I think all of it's... All of it's incredibly important. I hope that this sort of novel sort of victory, while it's, you know, just one hurdle, will be the sort of model uh, by which these programs can be fought for and expanded. I mean, that's that's the that's really the goal of all of this. And I think um, the way that it was sort of methodically sort of, you know, planned out uh, and bringing everybody together and having that. Uh, you know, having it out with everyone was just a, a you know, uh, a brilliant move. And I think it's going to be an example for others to follow, um, really. Uh, that's that's the hope. Um, I guess, a- a- Amy, did is your, you, your child is actually moving out now. What is their, what's their next steps look like through the, th- through the, 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 the chain here? Well, we did go to the open houses um, for the middle schools in our district. Uh, we went to three. Uh, another mom who is involved with the advocacy had went to all eight open houses with her fifth grader, my son's classmate. Um, and there really is no place for our children, uh, our immersion kids, in any of the middle schools. There's just... No, I'm not saying that there's no place. I'm saying with their Spanish level, there's there's just Spanish one, which they would take with other sixth graders who have never taken Spanish before. So they would be going back to vowel sounds and conjugating in the present tense um, or just using, you know, just very, very basic Spanish. So it, it is kind of a waste of their instructional time. But on the flip side, maybe it could boost their confidence and going back to rebuild the foundation. You know, some things may click again if they start from the basics. Um, The other option would be take a different language at one of the middle schools. They offer Spanish or French, so we could switch languages altogether. Um, Another option at another middle school is just don't take a language and only take chorus and or band in place of language. Some other middle schools have Spanish just half the year and Mandarin the other half of the year. Um, But again, these would be beginning levels of Spanish. 
Skyline had an immersion program where the kids could continue, but um, it's my understanding that program is also being phased out. None of our Marbrook cohorts from the first year that immersion started, those are sixth graders right now. None of those Marbrook kids went to Skyline. They have 11 students at Skyline right now in the immersion program. None of those are our kids. I'm not sure where whether they're feeder native speakers from the Skyline feeder program or they're students from Lewis Elementary. I don't know anything about those, those kids. But what they're doing is phasing that program out as well, and they're going to replace it with like an advanced Spanish. So the kids who would be going to Skyline would take a regular English middle school curriculum. And in place of Spanish one, they would be taking advanced Spanish so that they would be continuing at their current level. But we don't, we're not interested in Skyline, so it doesn't work for us. Right. Yeah. So any, any option is sort of a, it's either a lateral move or a little bit of a, at least, at least from an academic standpoint, a little bit of a step back. Although, as you said, maybe taking Spanish one will give them a way to for more practice, but but nothing nothing like they're getting now. I'm intimidated by your feeder pattern schools based on what people say, because your child will get an education, a good education, no matter where they are. Yeah, I do want to uh, give one real time sort of update. I did ask. Uh, I did ask our, our senior legal correspondent, uh, William C. Martin Esquire, uh, to, to fact check me. And he did say that the tax assessment, the, it will be revenue neutral. So it's not to raise revenue. It's just to reassess the value of the property that you own. Uh, but the school boards can raise taxes based on that up to 10% based on the school board's process for doing that. Now, I know everybody hates the idea of having to pay more tax, but I, I have I have news for you. This is um, this is absolutely something that's going to have to be done, and probably something that a lot of people on this call right now and a lot of people listening to it are going to have to advocate for very very strongly. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that little piece that I mentioned before. I think the reason that the number eighty five million stuck in my mind was that would be if. If all of the school districts did um, bump their taxes up that that ten percent, um, I think that's what the revenue to the schools that would be the resources directly to the schools that they would get. So I just want to mention that one. Um, I I'd like maybe Erica to just give um, your final thoughts, and I'll obviously give everybody. Um, a chance to 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 give a final thought if they if they'd like to, but uh, perhaps Erica, you could uh, you could go first. Thank you, I appreciate it. Sure. Well, um, I I will make a call to anybody listening to this post to this podcast, uh, to the not just to the importance of the beauty of this program. So, listen and and look at the rest of the statistics about the violence and the drug uh, influence in our schools. And all that disconnection between students that is, is, is raging everywhere. And dual language programs are an opportunity for kids to focus their attention and, and make their brain feel love for learning rather than love for anger. Uh, there are many issues that are causing that, of course, mental health, poverty, etc. But programs like this are, are a solution to, 
to ease a little bit of those programs. Um, also, we have tremendous lack of a workforce um, in bilingual support for different languages. And this is an opportunity to implement that because dual language immersion programs uh, made the student able to learn the same content in English and in Spanish. They are completely fluent, spoken, written, grammatically, everything. So um, we won't have that lack of workforce. We will have doctors that are bilingual, lawyers that are bilingual. We won't have to be struggling. Now also something that I would love to, uh, so please elected officials, school board members, Department of Education, pay attention to what works and, and can actually help our state to be better and, and help our kids. Um, now kids, through this language, the Hispanic community, for example, make peace with their identity. And I will say the same for Asian kids that feel like uh, some of them, they don't want to feel Asian or Hispanic because of, of the bullying and, and the stigmas and all of that. And these programs bring people together. You know, kids have fun learning languages and they respect their classmates. So um, parents also come, are supported and come together culturally uh, closer to their kids because of this program. Uh, students find their identity to be proud of rather than trying to hide it. And also the last part that I wanna talk about is two parts. One, about the teacher quality. The teachers for this program in Marble, for example, they are six beautiful, excellent quality teachers. And that is what is making this program a success. So those teachers were about to lose their jobs and going where? And, and parents were very concerned about this. They are brilliant. And the reason why kids are successful is, is because something that um, all the teachers through the state that teach a language should implement, which is um, excellent engagement, high quality classes. And also these teachers care for each and every student. They, they do outreach with their parents. They make sure that the kid is supported, that the parents are on the same page, so they are successful. And that is why this program is marvelous. And teachers like this should, I mean, in high school, everywhere, this kind of training should be implemented. So um, it's an opportunity to improve every language class that we have that is not just about making the check or learning, how do you say chair, how do you say hello? It's, it's actually committing to to high quality education that is at reach. And uh, the other part is, the final part that I would like to, to, to comment about um, is um, a big thank you to the parents that are being involved. Um, as I have suggested, Jenny, um, this is the perfect opportunity to unite all the parents from all emerging programs. So there is a front that can support any change that come up because just like you uh, feel helpless and some other parents, you know, as, as we advocates, allies, and more parents jump in to help because we care about this. For different reasons, we all have our stake in here, and we want to protect something precious to us for, for different reasons, and that is the beauty of it. So don't disengage. All the parents listening to this, don't disengage. Get involved, and not just in, in a school, uh, in your individual school matters, but get engaged in general. Run for school boards. Um, imagine if you have the capacity and authority to be part of a school board, what is that going to make 
to, to, to protect and, and implement and support programs like this for all the children to the state. So don't disengage. And, and when you get involved, don't be scared. You don't have to be like full hands in. Just do a little bit of what you can. Like the Facebook group, just share information. There is this opportunity, anyone interested? That way we all keep supporting parents through the state and we don't just like bump up when, when something happens, but we are prepared all together. Community, parents, allies, advocates, and then any elected official that support the causes. And if they don't, well, we can push them to do it. Right, Jordan? Yes. Yeah, so that, that that was thank you, Erica, and and I do uh, want to say, um, Jenny, you're you're going to be uh, you're you're going to be like the point person now for for this. You're going to be the person everybody's going to go to now uh, when they want to learn how to uh, organize parents uh, in these situations. Um, and I think it's it's great. I I I really have to agree um, with Erica. What you, what you've done because and and I think it really parallels the way that you explained just um, becoming comfortable uh, in English and speaking English and writing English that one day after sort of just doing it um, you realize that you did it and I feel like that's sort of the story of this too it's like you, you just made yourself do something and think about it and then you arrived at it where you you did it. Uh, I, I just think it's a it's an incredibly inspiring story that is a developing story um, that's going to continue, you know, as as long as you you guys continue to advocate and continue to put information out there and allow people to use you as a resource to to do the same thing and and stand with other parents as they do um, what you've done. Um, so I'm just yeah I I was so so happy to to have everyone. Um, I, I do want to give anybody else a, a, a final word if they if they'd like. Um, I would like to say that yes, probably I started uh, posting in these two. It was actually two Facebook pages. I wanted to give credit also to Mods, which is Mods uh, Moms of Delaware, I believe. So I don't know where I got the answers from from either group, but anyway, um, once uh, I I wanna say thank you to the parents who have been writing to our, our legislators because I um, I mean, my husband and I have been writing as well, but I know all the parents are just doing it. Like what we saw in the December 5th meeting and, and the Latin moms came to, to me and uh, they spoke to me and they were like, we are amazed that so many Americans are here just supporting the program. We, we, we just like, look, you are the only one who is Latin actually speaking. Everybody else is American and we can believe it. They, they were like so happy to see all the, all the, um, support that, uh, the community has for Spanish speakers. They, they were very happy. So I want to say that it's been a, a group effort. I started, but I know Amy, Leah, and many other parents that are not here, that's why I don't mention them, um, have been doing their part, uh, writing and calling and contacting any anybody who can hear us and support us. And I think that's why 
we we in a way have got back our choice option or the option for for newcomers to to choice into the Spanish immersion on my book. We we received the letter on, on or an email on Monday saying that choice is reopened. It's a, as Leah said, it's hard to navigate the system. Uh, Marbrook is not my feeder, so I kind of learn, and I'm also uh, putting a third fake child <laughs> just to to be able to 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 do a like a step by step process for for people to be able to do it uh, because we want all the kindergartners in the program, <laughs> like as many as we can get. So there is no this numbers issue again. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to one last time before I thank everybody for for coming on the 20th next week. There's a Red Clay School Board meeting at Richardson Park at what time is it? What time is it at? 7 p- 7 p.m. At, at like, six is a, like an executive session, but like public uh, comments and I I, I I was at the last one. Okay. It started at seven with public comments. Yeah, and, and, and again, I think this is a way not only to make your public comment, uh, but come out and if you haven't been involved in this directly, come out and, and, and meet uh, people who are coming out in real life. Um, and also sort of ask for a little bit of accountability. Uh, asks for you know, what's going on here, uh, what this this process seemed like it was not good, and uh, and we expect better. We are going to demand better because we're going to show up at the meeting and, and, and demand it to your face. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I hope people will, will go do that, and I hope that this really does, um, this really does grow into something that um, is bigger than just Marlborough, bigger than just red clay, maybe bigger than just um, sort of the language immersion programs themselves, uh, but some way to sort of advocate um, for all of the great things that are that are going on that everybody should have, you know, not just um, students at Marlborough, not just students who have, you know, parents who are super, um, you know, super active and, and super smart and, and know how to figure out how to navigate stuff, um, but for everyone. So... Um, with that, I, I just want to thank um, Leah and Amy and Jenny and Erica and Jordan and and Chuck. We saw you slide in there, bud. We saw you slide in late. <laughs> Prior commitment. <laughs> I, you but know, I, I just, just want to say, greater the greater community. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, the, the greater Marble community. We push to have this school built. And, you know, every boneheaded, stupid thing the districts tried to shove down us, we fought off. You know, I mean, this school used to have a pavilion for a gym and no walls. So, uh, but uh, with the greater community support, we're going to fight this too. That's it. Thanks. Yeah, of course. And and, and thank you all um, for joining. I, I really, I said at the beginning, sort of in the intro, uh, but I really do mean it. This is the kind of stuff that I love talking about. I, I'm so happy that, you know, this sort of came together and we got a result, but we also have people who are looking ahead to build something better and protect what we have. Uh, it's just super. So uh, I really appreciate it, everybody. Thanks so much. We we need to build more bridges. 
Yeah, for and sure. Tear down more walls and more barriers. And that includes language barriers. Yeah, thanks. I'm going to steal the, the, the voice once more just to thank Rob and Ella for um, supporting us, providing information firsthand, uh, raw, fresh, and truthful to, to the wider public. Because what Rob does is social justice. Um, it's uh, transparency. It's an opportunity for um, listening information that it's not digested through lenses, but from from the people that is involved in action. And that's that's the beauty of, of truth. Uh, so please keep listening to the podcast and the work that uh, Robert does and his team, because it's, it's very important to support them to keep doing this work, because uh, without platforms like this, we couldn't be able to share our heart as we do to speak freely in a space that we feel safe and in community um, to do what is needed in our minds, in our hearts, and also speak up for action. Thank you, Rob, uh, from the heart for everything that you do. I just wanted to acknowledge it because you are precious to the state and in so many ways for every topic, team, and, and people that you inspire to step up and speak up for what needs to be said. Thank you. Erica, you're always... Uh... You're always paying me the nicest compliments. I, I really appreciate it. But what you also did was create a great um, segue. Um, for the plugs, everybody, patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker. Right on your computer. You can download the Patreon app right on your phone, and you can support the program uh, for us. That would be terrific. We do leave almost all of our material up for free for the reason that we were just talking about so that people can get involved, they can learn and find out what's happening and, and, and find out how um, they can advocate for themselves and they can find other people with uh, similar needs and, and desires and go advocate with other people too. So um, patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker. And um, yeah, left is best. <laughs>